All right, we are back. Uh, Sunday, the 22nd of November, will mark the 46th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Been some excellent programs on television of late, showing some of the footage of the news coverage that took place uh, uh, back in 1963. This correspondent was fascinated by some of the, uh, the footage I'd in some cases never seen before of, of Lee Harvey Oswald in custody. The full story of Lee Oswald has never been told, and perhaps never will be. Forty-six years after the assassination, the CIA still refuses to release uh, some of the files related to Oswald. But uh, I want to note that uh, the News From Me blog by Mark Avanier, which we've heartily referred you to in, in the past, uh, highly recommending it, I had uh, something titled, A New Wrinkle in the JFK Assassination Story. Comment by Steve M. Gillen, resident historian at the History Channel. Commented on a recently declassified oral history by Brigadier General Godfrey McHugh. He was President Kennedy's military aide on the Dallas trip. And it shed some new light on the critical hours after the assassination, at least on Lyndon Johnson's behavior. General McHugh revealed in this this document that... uh, when they were on the runway in Dallas after the assassination, the president's coffin had just been loaded aboard, and he gave the order to take off. It was told that uh, the president, meaning the new president, Lyndon Johnson, uh, had ordered them to remain in the area for the time being. General McHugh began searching the plane then for Johnson to find an explanation, and according to him, located the new president in the bathroom adjacent to the presidential bedroom on board the aircraft. He said... I walked in the powder room, and there he was, hiding with the curtain closed. He claimed that LBJ was crying, they're going to get us all. It's a plot. It's a plot. It's going to get us all. According to the general, LBJ was hysterical, sitting down in the john alone. And according to historian Gillen, McHugh gave gave a similar story, told a similar story to the House Select Committee investigators back in 1978. Late in life, uh, Johnson famously told Walter Cronkite that it came to the JFK assassination. He did not rule out the possibility that there had been a plot. Of course, the person that LBJ hinted may have been responsible, Fidel Castro, is one of perhaps two people on the face of the earth I think we can effectively rule out as possible conspirators. The other being Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. I think that's about all we're going to have to say about uh, the murder of our 35th president today, except that one of our local history professors has written a book about 20th century conspiracy theories, which I will have more to say on in the future. There are, to be sure, a, 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 a plethora of, quote, conspiracy theories, unquote, relating to the JFK assassination. But that despite what our professor may have to say on the topic, Some of them are closer to the truth than was the Warren Report. That's enough of that. But uh, speaking of presidents, Barack Obama's been in China talking to Hu Jintao. I find it curious that our two presidents have quite different backgrounds. Hu Jintao is an engineer, whereas our president, like most of them, has a background in the law. It would be an interesting concept to to try, having someone in the Oval Office that didn't uh, necessarily think like a lawyer. But uh, there's still a bit of stink in the air over this uh, commentary by General Stanley McChrystal last August that, uh, that uh, we needed to, quote, that we needed to commit an additional uh, forty or 50,000 troops to Afghanistan or else, according to the general, 
who alleged that uh, defeating the insurgency would, quote, no longer be possible, unquote, unless we sent a lot more uh, troops over there. The president uh, disagreed with his general, but uh, really didn't take him out to the woodshed like Harry Truman did when uh, Douglas MacArthur got a bit out of line during the Korean conflict. In fact, I'd like to see Barack Obama take General McChrystal out to the woodshed. Back uh, in 1951, uh, the U.S. And, uh, and, and the Communist Chinese were fighting each other on the Korean Peninsula. Harry Truman was determined to confine hostilities to Korea, fearing that if he broadened the conflict, the USSR might get involved. And that would involve the specter of nuclear war. But MacArthur was talking about attacking China directly, and he publicly assailed the White House for being too timid. In effect, he challenged Truman's backbone and his patriotism, declaring that, quote, there is no substitute for victory, unquote. Adding that Truman's uh, refusal to expand the war into China imposed an enormous handicap without precedent in military history. Truman responded by firing MacArthur's ass. MacArthur went on a public relations tour of the U.S. afterwards and got a lot of support from the Joe McCarthy-type wing of the Republican Party. But, um, but the consensus among historians has been that Truman was certainly justified in canning MacArthur for insubordination. In fact, when it came to trading quips, it appears that Truman definitely got the better of Douglas MacArthur. He said later, I fired him because he wouldn't respect the authority of the president. I didn't fire him because he was a dumb son of a bitch. Although he was. But that's not against the law for generals. And you know what? We should have made that our quote of the day. Anyway, McChrystal's been skating on some thin ice. We would quote uh, Dwight Eisenhower's son. John Eisenhower, retired brigadier general, that said, Officers owe their loyalty to the president. They have an obligation to resign if they're unable to carry out the commander-in-chief's policies. And after all, this, uh, this government of the United States was set up to have civilian control of the military. When we see uh, how much of uh, foreign policy, be policy is being driven by the Pentagon, we sometimes wonder if the tail isn't wagging the dog. And we do have to address one year into one year post the election of uh, Barack Obama. Uh, how well we're disengaging from this uh, swamp of Iraq? There seems to definitely have been a political groundswell in this country to disengage, and yet we're still there. And what are we accomplishing? You might ask. Well, I don't have an answer, but I am certain of the fact that a lot of defense contractors are making a lot of money. And again, that may be a case of the tail wagging the dog. We've only got about six or seven minutes left, but I would like to refer you to an excellent article by G.W. Schultz from California Watts, reported in the Sacramento Bee uh, some months ago about how waste and shoddy oversight were marking homeland security spending. This report came out of California Watch, a reporting unit of the nonprofit Center for Investigative Reporting based in Berkeley. This particular case, they focused on uh, homeland security grants awarded in California. Noted, among other things, that cities and agencies bought things with grant money that, that did not have any apparent ability to make the state of California any safer, and that scores of cities and agencies failed to keep adequate records on how they spent the money, and that typically community, communities repeatedly bought large and small ticket items without seeking competitive bids. The beat goes on. And uh, oddly enough, Mr. McMillan reports I have a phone call, an important phone call. So 
from Senator Joseph Lieberman? Is this Senator Lieberman? Yes, yes, Doug, the very same. How are you? Good to hear your voice again. Well, we haven't talked to you in quite a while, Senator. I know. It sort of brought back some old pleasant memories. What, so uh, really what prompted this call? Well, I, I just had to comment about you know basically calling in defense of the defense industry, if I may. Okay. Have an extra moment. Uh, you know, I just happened to see that recent big budget movie, 2012. Have you had the chance to catch it? I it's, certainly have not, no. Well, in that movie, there's a scene where there's an aircraft carrier that gets, you know, basically plows into the White House. And that's something, a scenario that is not optimal, Doug. We want to make sure that that well, kind Senator, of thing with never... all due respect, that's a movie. Well, I, I how would defense? How would defense spending help that situation. Well, Doug, even the most incredible movies are based somewhat in fact, and that's why we have to take even that most enhanced scenario under consideration, Doug, and that's part of my job, what I need to do. Well, Senator, as long, makes, as long as I have you on the line, can I ask you this question yes. we tried to ask you years ago? Uh, you've been a supporter of the, uh, the development of these faster and bigger submarines that you build out there in Connecticut. Right. And I have to ask, yes. how, how will bigger and faster submarines help us fight a war with people hiding in caves in Afghanistan? Well, Doug, you know, sometimes, you know, people will start out in caves and graduate to uh, bigger and better bombs and bomb-making capability. We have to always be vigilant, Doug, and that, that's the key word, vigilant and make sure that these people, you know, it's just a matter of optimal defense. And, yes, you know, maybe it's not something top on the, you know, on the probability scale, but it's still something that we need to uh, address, and I'm sure you can understand that. By the way, it's good for the Connecticut economy, too. I see. Well, Senator, we'd like you to come on, and we're running out of time on today's show, but can you come back and oh. talk at greater length? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. In fact, tomorrow I need to. I have a couple of big meetings, so you know I'd be happy to come on anytime you, you'd like my opinion. And thank you for your time. All right. Well, Senator Joseph Lieberman, it's always a pleasure, and we hope to talk to you soon. Hadassah, you got those. You got those pancakes. Yes. All right, Doug. Thank you so much. All righty. Anyway, we're running out of time. Uh, I did note going to the movies last week. I did not see 2012, but I did see the movie Pirate Radio, which is, um, in spite of one of the most atrocious endings you could ever hope to see, Hollywood-type endings, I would add, it does have its moments, and we're going to hopefully talk about that uh, either next week or the week after. We're also going to see if we can't Marvin, get Marvin DeNozo, uh, whose uh, team has done some great reporting uh, on the California Aggie football team, which we would congratulate for winning the Great West Division, and I guess only their second season. The Aggies are 6-4 and four and are guaranteed a winning season with, with Saturday's game at Sac State coming up. We'll congratulate uh, the uh, KDVS team, which covers a sport so admirably here for you, dear listener, and uh, give them an attaboy, and, and hopefully we'll talk to Marvin or some of the other folks uh, next week. Tempted also to comment on the remake of the 1960s classic uh, TV series, The Prisoner. We're out of time to talk about that today as well, except to note that I watched this new version for as long as I could stomach. I was intrigued by the fact that it was apparently filmed in Swakopmund, Namibia, a place I'd visited. This remake does not appear to even hold a candle to the original, and, uh, well, I, that's, you know, couldn't, couldn't watch very much of it. All right, two final items. The Republican Party has been trying to introduce the abortion conflict into health care reform. 
So they were a bit embarrassed by the following item. Since 1991, the Republican, the National Republican Committee has offered its employees a health care policy from Cigna that includes coverage for elective abortions. Given the GOP's push to keep abortion out of the uh, health care reform bill, this caused something of a stink. Said RNC Chairman Michael Steele, a longtime foe of abortion, money from our loyal donors should not be used for this purpose. I, I don't know why this policy existed in the past, but it will not exist under my administration. Consider this issue settled. Anyway, so I guess if you work for the National Republican Committee, you better make darn sure you don't get accidentally pregnant, because you will be committed to giving birth to more Republicans. Final item, I know we have a lot of listeners over in the UK, and we don't know that we can take any credit for this, but the British Heritage Charity is encouraging its employees to help the environment and skip using indoor toilets, instead relieving themselves outdoors. Right, they're conducting what's called an experiment of the male gardening staff at Wimpole Hall, a stately home 50 miles north of London. The National Trust, which runs the property, says staff are being encouraged to urinate on straw, which is then placed on compost heaps. The Trust said the chemical reaction helps the composting process, while the absence of flushing by 10 members of the staff could cut the estate's water use by almost a third. And there you have it, folks. A partial solution for our listeners in Southern California. If you will urinate in your own backyard, you will have not only healthier soil, but less of a need for that big peripheral canal you want to build in the California Delta. We, of course, have been advocating this for some time. And speaking of time, we're out of it. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. In the next two weeks, we hope to speak to Capital Public Radio's Nick Bruner, environmental activist and reporter Dan Bacher, and our favorite sports guy, Sean Minton. And sometime before the end of the year, we're going to have a local legend of radio, Phil Cowan, come on our program and talk about quite a few subjects. While I don't always agree with Phil, more often than not, I find that I do, based on numerous conversations, and uh, we think that... Uh, a chat with him will be quite provocative. So we're looking forward to that. We'll see you next week, by the way, at the same time. Until then, as Dr. Dean Adele would say, be well.